0: Hi, hello, and welcome to the show. Today, I want to talk to you about Paula Negri. Who is Paula Negri? Well, in a nutshell, she was the first European star to be imported to the U.S. way before Kreta Garbo and Marlene Dietrich. Paula Negri was actually born Barbara Apollonia Chalupec on January third, in eighteen ninety-seven, in Poland. She grew up very poor, with only her mother, when her father was sent away to Siberia for some revolutionary activities. The two relocated to Warsaw, eventually, the main capital of Poland, and her mother was working as a cook to make ends meet. And as many old Hollywood actresses, Paula showed an early interest in dancing and performing and was accepted to Warsaw's Imperial Ballet Academy. She even danced in Swan Lake and made it to a solo role in the ballet Coppelia. Unfortunately, though, she developed tuberculosis and had to retreat to a sanatorium in Sakopane. During that time, she adopted her stage name, Paula Negri. Paula, which was short for Apollonia, and Negri, after the Italian novelist and poet Ada Negri. So, I suppose she read a book by Ada Negri during her recovery. After her recovery, Paula dismissed her dancing plans and applied to the Imperial Academy of Dramatic Arts in Warsaw, She was very invested in her studies, both in the formal school curriculum as well as outside, where she trained with Polish stage actress and professor Honorata Leschinska. I probably have butchered that name, so please bear with me. Already while still being a student, Paula appeared on stage and even made her first movie in 1914, when she was only 17 years old. When she graduated, she received offers from many prominent theatres in Warsaw – And would establish herself as a popular stage actress and acted in a variety of Polish movies. Her success was so immense that it traveled across borders and reached Berlin, Germany. And in 1917, when Paula was 20 years old, she was presented with the opportunity to appear in one of the plays she had already successfully done in Poland and met Ernst Lubitsch during the production. Lubitsch at that time was producing comedies for Ufa, the prominent German film studio. But instead of Ufa, Pola signed with Saturn Films and made six movies with them before Lubitsch convinced Ufa in 1918 to let him make a large-scale film with Pola Negri as the protagonist. Their first collaboration was The Eyes of the Mummy Ma, which proved to be a huge success and which would become the first of many Lubitsch-Negri collaborations – which became bigger and grander in style each time. Their third movie, Madame Dubarry, which was released under the name Passion in the US, became such a success worldwide that it actually brought down the American embargo on German films. There was such a demand for this movie, as well as other Polar Negri productions, that there was a good chance that Germany might become a serious threat to Hollywood's monopolistic position in the international film market. Nekri and Lubitsch made three more movies together, and then Nekri was paired with other directors. All of her movies proved to be successful and were sold also to and shown in the United States. Hollywood, of course, didn't like the emerging film industry and star power in Europe. That's why Hollywood started buying out key talent from Germany, which was then the capital of European film. The first two talents to be brought to Hollywood were none other than Ernst Lubitsch and Paula Negri. Old Hollywood royalty Mary Pickford asked for Lubitsch for a costume film Rosita and Jessie Lasky from Paramount was so impressed by Negri in Madame du Barry that he invited her to Hollywood. And Paula Negri signed a $3,000 a week contract with Paramount, which equals about $50,000 today. In September 1922, Negri finally arrived in the U.S., That made her the first continental star to be imported to the U.S. And the decision to relocate to the U.S. definitely proved to be the right step for Paula Negri. She became one of the most popular Hollywood actresses and one of the richest women in the film industry at that time. A funny coincidence that happened early on. Her successful movie, The Spanish Dancer, was based on Victor Hugo's Don César de Bazan*. As was Rosita, the movie Lubitsch made with Mary Pickford. They were released the same year and the critics loved to compare these two. Both got positive reviews. Pickford's was deemed more polished, while Necris was deemed as being more entertaining. But in 1925, the audiences started to reject Paula Negris' opulence because that was not the style of that time anymore. Mel Sinclair and Paula Negri reacted to this and parodied it in the comedy A Woman of the World, which Negri starred in. And you can still see the movie on YouTube actually today. So I hope it's not been taken down. Hop over to YouTube. I'll link it in the show notes. It's a good movie. (laughs) And Paula Negri is really beautiful in it. Paula Negri did only about eight more movies with Paramount and then she decided to not renew her contract with Paramount. She actually had planned to withdraw from acting completely and live as a mother and housewife at the chateau near Vigny in France that she had purchased. She actually was reported to have earned about $90 million, corrected for inflation up until 1929, and she was only 32 years old at that time. Her plans fell flat, though, when she miscarried her baby and learned that her second husband, had gambled away all her money. So, she grabbed the opportunity when she was approached to film for a British independent production. This actually was her last silent movie and concluded that era of her career. Next were talkies, movies with sound. Negri relocated back to Hollywood for the movie A Woman Commands, in which she sang the song Paradise, which became a huge hit despite the movie not being well-received. Nekri went on tour to promote the successful hit and did a theater tour with the play A Trip to Pressburg. After that, she returned to continental Europe and filmed one movie in France and then went back to Germany and Ufa. One movie of hers, which is called Masurka, which was approved by the German Reichskammer, as Hitler Germany was already established in 1935, it apparently became one of Adolf Hitler's favorite movies. And this fact, or this legend, along with Negri's positive comments on the efficiency of the German film industry, led French publication Pour vous to the rumor Paula Negri and Adolf Hitler were having an affair. Paula Negri sued them for libel and won, so I don't think there's anything to it. The magazines back then just had a field day. It was just a good story. Paula Negri lived actually in France while filming in Germany and fled to the US on a sailing boat from Portugal to New York, when the Germans invaded France. In the U.S., she was cast in the comedy High Little Little and got numerous offers afterwards, but turned them all down. Instead, she did a nationwide Woodville tour and club appearances with her song Paradise. In 1945, when she was aged 48, Polar retired from the entertainment business altogether. She was actually approached by Billy Wilder to take on the role of Norma Desmond in the film Sunset Boulevard, after Mae Murray, Mae West, Greta Garbo, Norma Shearer and Mary Pickford had already declined role. That was lucky for Gloria Swanson, who made a furious impact on the movie world with her comeback role in this very movie. When it comes to her love life, Paula Negri was definitely not shy. She apparently had been married in Poland to Count Eugenius Dabski, therefore becoming Countess Apollonia Dabski chalupek And they were married for only about three years, and most of this time, they were separated. And when Polenik arrived in Hollywood, she made headlines with her multiple high-profile affairs. Charlie Chaplin, who she had met in Germany earlier, was her first serious relationship, so much so That the media headlines even read, the queen of tragedy, to wet the king of comedy. But the relationship fell apart. Afterwards, she got involved with actor Rod LaRocque, one of her co-stars. And then, Paula met Rudolf Valentino. (laughs) They apparently met at a costume party at the estate of Marion Davies and William Randolph Hearst. And for the next two years until his death, they're reported to have been lovers. Her dramatic behavior during his funeral, including uncontrolled crying and fainting, as well as the large floral arrangement spelling out Paula, caused a media sensation. And Paula Negri insisted that Rudolf Valentino had been the love of her life. Nevertheless, she got married less than nine months later to the Georgian self-styled prince Serge Mdivani. So... (laughs) If you like old Hollywood and you research old Hollywood, you definitely will come across the name Mdivani and it will become a bit like why is he there again and who is he marrying now because there are multiple Mdivani's. So I'll give you a little backstory. There are actually five siblings that have become known as the marrying Mdivani's. Those five fled to Paris after the Soviet invasion of Georgia, where they lived and where they were brought up, and they got engaged and married high-profile entertainment people. The two girls, Nina and Isabel, actually weren't that notorious. Nina and Divani got married eventually to Dennis Conan Doyle, a son of Sir Arthur Conan Doyle, the creator of Sherlock Holmes, and Isabel married Spanish painter Josep Maria Sert. But the three brothers took on the United States and Old Hollywood. David Ndivani was the first Ndivani to marry into entertainment royalty. In 1926, when he was aged 22, he married actress Mae Murray. Once he had bankrupted her, she divorced him and the two had a fierce custody battle about their son Corinne David. He then dated French actress Aletti, who is known for, quote, «My heart is French, but my butt is international». When being in prison for an affair with a German Nazi soldier. Then David married Virginia Sinclair, heiress of Sinclair Oil Millions, which also produced a son, which was called Michael. This Mdivani was to become 80 years old. His brothers weren't that lucky. So we have Alexis Mdivani. He married Louise Asta van Aalen. She was a member of the high profile Asta family at age 26, but he divorced her to marry Barbara Hutton the Woolworth heiress, and one of the world's richest women at the time. At the time of his death, he was only 30 years old. He died in an automobile accident in Spain when he was traveling with beautiful and married 23-year-old German baroness Maud Tüssen. And the third brother we have is Serge. Serge met and married Paula Negri in 1927 when he was only 24 years old and Paula Negri was 28 years old. When most of her money had gone, and he had gambled away most of it, he abandoned her, married opera singer Mary McCormick, and then former sister-in-law Louise Esther van Aalen im Divani. And he died that same year at age 33. These three brothers, they are wild. So Serge M. Divani had left Pola Negri and they got divorced shortly after. When Negri returned to the U.S., she became friends with oil heiress and woodville actress Margaret West, whom she had known for almost 20 years then. And she moved in with her, and Negri's mother moved in with them as well, into a beachfront home in L.A. and later in Bel-Air. When Nekri's mother died, West and Paula relocated to Austin, Texas, and it is unclear whether these two had a love affair or whether they were mere friends. Nekri died at age 90 from the complications of pneumonia and a brain tumor that she had refused treatment for. Paula Nekri, as a person, as like an actress, as a model, as a type of woman, had a lasting influence on fashion and on culture. She had like this dark curly hair, which was cut at shoulder length or shorter. She had like very traumatic eyes, which actually were used for the Chicago International Film Festival logo. So if you look up the Chicago International Film Festival logo, you will see three pairs of eyes. And these three pairs of eyes belong to Paula Negri, Theda Barra, and Mae Murray. So they have had a lasting impact on the film industry. Paula Negri also became a fashion icon and she introduced trends that were copied by many and still live on. The most prominent of those are red painted toenails. They weren't there before Paula Negri. She introduced fur boots who have a revival like it feels like every year but yeah they're a staple and she used turbans like headscarves in different kind of ways and Depending on the role that she would play, she did them differently. But they were really an impact. And we all know we are using headbands and scarves and turbans still today. So I found the movie A Woman of the World really interesting because you don't need voice. As as the name says, it's a silent movie. So they just have music and what the actors say is written on the screen. And Paula Negri really has a nice mimics you really see when she's desperate when she's wounded when she's sad when she's happy it's a very exaggerated way of acting but it still sucks yet. it's different it's not like the movies we see today but if you're in try it I found it really amusing and I like to just observe her her clothing and the set design, because you don't hear anything of value to like what is happening, like no words, no dialogue. You really focus on what you're seeing. So I understand why the set designs and the costumes and everything in silent movies were so exaggerated and why they were so detailed and why they were so grand, because you took it all in with your eyes. So I dare you have a look at A Woman of the World with Paula Negri linked in the show notes. And I hope I can speak to you next week. And yeah, have a good one. Bye.